And now, a Breakthrough Basketball original podcast, The Jim Huber Show. After basketball, his dream is to become a rodeo clown. Jim Huber. Hey, everybody. Oh, it's hard work being this good. I was like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a, a big choo-choo train. We join the Jim Huber Show, already in progress. I did that with not having any type of medication. <laughs> We've lined up one of the greatest names in the history of sport. And I'm not talking about, Jim, the greatest names like separated, not accomplishment. The greatest name, Harry Carey. Oh, now, I see I'm where you're going now. Just the name, oh. just the alliteration, one of the great sports names. Holy cow, it's Harry Carey. Right, what like a great... Like Art Cosell? Howard Cosell. Oh, Howard, Howard Cosell, not Co- Art Cosell. Art Cosell, who is that? Who is that? Art Cosell, Howard's lesser talented brother here. Howard's <laughs> <laughs> Art Cosell. Hey, I'm just keeping you on your toes today. A long time ago, you coached a guy with a great name. Tom Tom. Lou Rawls, Tum Tum Nairn Jr. <laughs> what, a, what a name. First, you got the Lou Rawls. You'll never find as long as you live. Then you got Tum Tum, which is fun to say. Then you got Nairn, which is odd. And then Junior at the end of it. That's a great name, right? How about Bart Starr? What a great name. Bart Starr. Like Star. The quarterbacks always get the great names. Joe Montana. How about Cassius Clay? Steve Young. Cassius Clay, that's that's an alliteration that sticks with you because you got those two C's, you got the Cassius and the Clay. Yeah, but Tony Baroni has to rank right up there. Head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Texas A&M. He was there for several years. Where Creighton else? University was the head coach. Tony Baroni at Creighton. Tournament. He was assistant at Memphis under Hubie Brown and Mike Fratello. What did he do with Jerry West? Was West the he was, GM? Uh, yeah, he was director of personnel and player development uh, when Jerry West was there. So you're talking about... The logo of the NBA, Mr. You know, Mr. Clutch. Mr. Clutch. I mean, he, he's worked with some incredible people that, that people love to just be in a room with and talk basketball. And then his son is going to join us today. And Brian is the head coach of Butler County Community College. Yeah, and he, he was assistant in NCAA for like 14 years. And he played and coached under Tom Crean. Played so, with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, played with Dwayne Wade. At Marquette. Yeah. Need to thank our sponsor, Breakthrough Basketball. And you can go to BreakthroughBasketball.com. They have great uh, apps. They have videos. They have the Jim Huber Defensive DVD, which is like uh, the Titanic of DVDs. It's like 50 DV- How many DVDs is it? It's, well, it's, it's two, but it 10, can, it's a hours. sequel of maybe yeah, about, uh, I don't know if it's 10,000, maybe 1,000 hours. It's amazing the detail you go into in that DVD on how to set up a defense. And, and not bragging on Jimmy. Jimmy led the EYBL in defense a, a few years back. That's, that's quite an accomplishment. Players so. make you pretty good at what you do. Good players make great coaches, right? That's right. Yeah. Hey, Brian, you transferred to Marquette and played for Tom Crean, and also you coached at IU and Marquette underneath him. What are some of the best things you learned from Coach Crean, one of the probably, you know, better coaches in NCAA today? You know, one of the things that Coach, uh, Coach Crean always uh, taught me, you know, as a player and as a coach is just to, to be resilient. One of our mottos now um, you know, with our team kind of mantra is find a way. There's very few times where the answer really is no when you're trying to get something done. You played with Dwayne Wade at Marquette, one of the great NBA players. Did you know when playing with him as a teammate that he was going to be that great in the NBA? Well, 
first of all, he he played with me. Come on, <laughs> I had to get a straight. Okay, now we're now we're talking. Yeah. No, I did not. I'd be lying, and I think anyone on our team, his first year, because um, he sat out. He and I actually, I was a backup point guard at Marquette my senior year, um, and uh, you know he couldn't play that year, but he practiced with us every day. So he was on my team. Now at the end, we I think we all felt that he was going to be a pro. Um, I mean, he was doing, he had wow things going on. Uh, did I know he was going to be eventually a, a top five player, top three player, you know, at the uh, prime of his career? No, but you did know he was going to be a pro by the end of his freshman year. Yeah, Co- Coach Peroni Sr., my uh, question for you is, I know you were at the Memphis Grizzlies and you worked under Jerry West. I mean, you talk about NBA logo, Mr. Clutch, and to me, he's one of the, the best individuals out there building championship teams. First of all, he's willing to make decisions. Most of the uh, general managers in the league are politically correct, and they're not willing to step out and make a decision that is not necessarily a, a simple decision. Uh, and Jerry was a, an absolute workaholic. Um, he was in the office early, left the office late. He was all basketball, uh, watched films with us uh, at, when we were scouting, uh, spent a lot of time on the road watching players. And uh, I think this, the, the simplest thing and the most important thing that uh, became evident with me when I worked for him for a number of years was that he was simply willing to make decisions. And uh, the decisions were based on what he believed in. And uh, he let very few people influence him in terms of uh, decisions. He gathered information put it in the think tank, and then made a decision, and he stuck with that decision. Not necessarily right all the time, but absolutely willing to make a decision. And I see that uh, today in the NBA, a lot of these guys are just not willing to do that. And with the Clay Thompson, Kevin Love trade, and he like nixed that. He said, no, we're not doing that. You have to be working with somebody who trusts you also. And, uh, you know, I'm sure in their organization when that thing came up, that trade came up, uh, there were a number of people within the organization who said, now nah, let's do it. We want to get Kevin Love. And Jerry said, no, that's not the way it should be because Thompson is this, Kevin is that. And uh, when eventually came down to the decision process, whoever made the final decision uh, understood that Jerry had researched it, spent a lot of time in terms of evaluating it because he loved Kevin Love. Kevin Love was not a guy he did not like. But he just felt, in uh, terms of the Warriors, that Thompson was the fit that they needed. Hey, when you were with the Grizzlies, you were a director of player development. What is that in the NBA? What does that entail? Well, I mean, it, was, it just simply meant that uh, we put together a program for individual improvement. And uh, we had an individual improvement coach, a player development coach, who worked with uh, guys on a regular basis. Uh, the myth in the NBA about NBA players is that they don't work as hard as uh, they should. That's not true at all. The guys in the NBA are very, very hard workers. The great ones are almost fanatical in their work ethic. You're talking, obviously, Jordan, obviously, Kobe Bryant, uh, Curry. Those guys have a fanatical work ethic. Uh, They take care of themselves. They take care of their bodies. And uh, the individual improvement coach is kind of a guy that they'll let things they bounce things off of. Um, they, they don't necessarily coach them, 
but they kind of serve as a sounding board for the player. Coach, uh, you know, Tony, a senior, I know you're known for, you know, being a great scout and scouting players. I read this story about you going overseas and scouting Anthony Parker, and Troy's giving me a hard time about this, but you see, you see Paul Gasol, and he didn't really play that much. How did you spot no. him in the sense of knowing he's going to be a great player? Coach, I got to tell you why I'm giving him a hard time. So, <laughs> so he's telling me this question, right, uh, Brian, Tony? He's telling me, he's like, this guy found Paul Gasol. No, <laughs> He's saying it like a bear paw. I'm like, no, it's Paul. And he's going, no, it's Paul. And I'm like, it's not Paul. Was, it, was it Paul when he first spotted him? And then You're the guy Pal that found him. Is it Paul or Paul? <laughs> yeah, it's Paul. Here's another part of the myth about the NBA. We actually did go over to see Anthony Parker. And he he had played at Bradley. So and we had the Bradley connection. And uh, so we had seen him and we knew him about him anyways over an extended period of time. And we were, in fact, looking for a big guard, uh, a second guard, a big guard. And uh, we went over and watched him play. He was on Maccabi Tel Aviv, and he did not play well. In fact, he played very poorly. We did not uh, pursue him as a free agent because of that. And in that particular Final Four, there was a young guy, Paul Gasol. He played about seven minutes a game in that particular Final Four. Uh, we got there early and watched him work out because uh, they spend a lot of time in Europe in pregame warm-ups, conditioning, running, uh, making sure that they're doing their individual work, et cetera, et cetera. And he jumped out at us because simply because here's a guy seven foot over was shooting threes, putting the ball between his legs, dribble options, et cetera, et cetera. But we never saw him play in the games because he wasn't getting a lot of minutes then. The following year, uh, we went back and watched him, and obviously he was, he was playing a lot at that particular time. Uh, so sometimes you have to look at the guy and see. Uh, I, I think you have to always pay attention to games. Uh, but you also have to look at his work ethic, and Paul had a great work ethic to start with when he was a very young kid, and it's different in Europe because those guys are practicing twice a day. One of the times they practice is a conditioning practice, so they're just running. They're running fast break drills. They're running defensive slide drills, and uh, it wears guys out, and that's why now a lot of the USA guys that go over there are not making it because they're not used to that. They're not used to that kind of practice. Uh, Powell was, and uh, yeah, and then he just he exploded. Uh, we got lucky with him. I don't think it was anything uh, totally unique. Uh, we had to have an owner who bought into it and, and uh, give us an opportunity to draft a guy who, in fact, had not played as many minutes as people thought he was going to play. Um, he turned out to be a good draft pick, obviously. I looked it up on the internet, Coach. Paul Gasol is the father of Mark <laughs> and Powell. That's Paul Gasol. That's why he was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hey, man. Brian, it's your first job as a head coach. What, what did Dad tell you when, when, when you called him and said, hey, I got this gig. Uh, give me the golden rules here. What do I do? Well, first thing is get organized. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You've got you to gotta prioritize um, what you want to get accomplished every day, you know, whether it's put in a zone offense uh, one day or a zone. And 
Um, you know, we have, we have we talked about transition defense, and when you really sit there and, and break down all the uh, nuances of the game, um, if you're not uh, you don't have your priorities straight, um, you're going to just be throwing things at the wall, hoping that you cover everything, and you're bound to forget something. So I think that's probably the biggest thing too, and uh, the biggest thing to, to 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 take away from what we what we've been talking about. And it's a uh, it's something we deal with. I do deal with every day. Coach Tony, what are things that you've told Brian not to do when leading a program? Well, I made a lot of mistakes. My my biggest thing was I probably spent too much time worrying about things that really didn't matter. I think you got to. Uh, uh, Brian talked about prioritizing things, and uh, that, that's a, a good way to look at it because you know you've got to get your guy. The, the bottom line for good teams is they play hard. That is the bottom line. You make up for a lot of mistakes if your effort is where it should be, and the coaches set that bar for the effort. You don't let the players decide what is a good effort and what is not a good effort. The, co- the coaches do that. And then I think the other thing for especially young guys is they have to be willing to take a stance. And uh, that means uh, there's a right way to do things, and there's a way that we want to do things. There's going to be a, a, a set of guidelines that I'm going to give to you, and I want you to live up to those guidelines. I want to be honest with you, and I want you to be honest with me. you got to let me be honest with you. A lot of times young coaches have a tough time being honest with their players, and they massage them too much, and then you run into problems. You know, establish what your priorities are. Be organized. And then be consistent with how you treat your players. That you, they know that this is the way you're going to be every day. You can't come in there one day yelling and screaming, mm-hmm. and then the next day hugging and kissing them. It doesn't work. You have to be consistent with what you do. Hey, Coach Brian, there's all kind of levels of college basketball. What, what would be the you know great reason why someone would want to go junior college? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is um, you look at the program. Uh, as a whole, uh, you know, the program itself that, you know, when I looked at, at Butler, um, you know, I viewed this as a, as a job that um, I was lucky to get. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're coaching um, the kind of talent that you want to be able to coach. You know, Butler's a big-time job. It's a great opportunity. It's got great, has great tradition. Great conference. Um, there's no doubt. And uh, and there's a lot of good basketball players too. So people don't realize the talent level. Like Jimmy and I were talking about in the old days when I was at Fort Scott Community College for a while with Fred Turner and Jimmy. You were at Allen County. It was like the Wild West, man. There were there was like Armand Gilliams out of school. Writer. Uh, the Grant brother was at uh, Independence, and and just amazing. You see players. Do you still see those type of players in the Jayhawk that are going to be maybe NBA type players? Well, I, I, when I, I was at Garden City, uh, what, 14 years ago, and um, there was a guy named Robert Whaley that my dad and brother were coming out and scouting our games for the Grizzlies. So, yeah, I think that, you know, with basketball the way it is, um, you know, first of all, you never know who's going to be or what level necessarily. You know, the story about Pagasau is a great example. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't know if they knew he was going to be as good as he was. The younger brother, Mark Gasau, uh, it was in Memphis as, a, as an overweight high schooler. No one thought he'd be what he is today. So I think, 
you know, the Jayhawk Conference definitely has the opportunity to have those special elite kind of players. Tony Baroni, Sr., and Brian Baroni are guests today on, on the show. Tony, if you, let's say you worked with Hubie Brown, if you were at a roast of Hubie Brown and you had to tell the one Hubie Brown story that you have. Well, first of all, most of those stories are X-rated, so <laughs> those are not, not, not going to be stories. We're satellite. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not. Radio. Yeah, it's fine. Radio. Roll, man, roll. <laughs> you know, Hubie was a, a unique guy because he, like Jerry West, was a, a basketball guy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Hubie would huddle up the players uh, <clears throat> before practice. And he would give almost a, a, a historical perspective of the NBA. And you got to remember that Hubie came through the ABA, so he had the Maurice Lucases at that time. He had Bernard King uh, with mm-hmm. the Knicks at that time. And uh, some of those guys were not guys that, present-day NBA players really knew. So Hubie would pontificate about Bernard King almost every day. <laughs> and he would say what a great scorer he was, he the was. best one on, one-on-one player I've ever coached. Yep. Bernard King out of New York, he was <laughs> the best I've ever seen at taking it to the hole. Well, he, the stories just kept multiplying You know, for probably two or three weeks. Finally, Lorenz and Wright, God rest his soul, after practice, uh, right after Hubie's talk, and said, who the hell is Bernard King? And uh, the, the thing about Hubie that was so great, that he was a guy that was absolutely ingrained in the NBA. He was just, he's an amazing, amazing technician of the game. Bottom line for Hubie uh, was that we were going to practice an hour and 15 minutes every day except Sunday. Hmm. And he gave Sunday off for the players to be with their families, go to church. It didn't matter if we had a game on Monday. They were off. And once the practices started, once we got into practice, it was an hour and 15 minutes, period. And we weren't going to go two hours. We weren't going to go an hour and 17 minutes. We weren't going to go an hour. And, we were going to be an hour and 15. So the consistency of what we did in practice, the shooting drills, the defensive drills, the fast break drills were consistent every day. He believed in the concept of repetition and that repetition created good habits and repetition created confidence. We became a very fundamentally sound team. And if you look at his teams, you'll see that a lot of his teams with the Grizzlies as a team were a, a leading rebounding team in the NBA, and we didn't have great size or great bulk, but we had guys who went after the ball. Shane Batty was a good example. Mm-hmm. That was the consistency uh, that I, I, I learned from Yubi's a genius, absolute genius. But he was able, from a consistency standpoint, to do the same things every day and just tweak them here and there, and the, the guys bought into it. So now you work for Mike Fratello also, which is a legendary coach in the NBA. What did you learn from him as well? How, how tall is Cesar? <laughs> he, he looks like he's about how five, <laughs> six, maybe? 
about five, five two, you know. Five two. <laughs> no, he's about five six. You know, Mike and Mike was a disciple of Hubie's, so Mike uh, was a little rougher around the edges than uh, Hubie, and uh, Hubie had a way of stopping things and moving on. Uh, Mike was a little bit more of a dweller than uh, on the negatives than Hubie. Hubie didn't believe in the. the he believed in constructive criticism. He wasn't into criticizing just to criticize, and he would move on. There was never a you know a five minute rant about what was going on. It was hey look you didn't do this right you can't do it that way and if you won't do it I'm not going to play it and then we'd move on. He, he was very economical. That's why we could practice an hour and fifteen minutes and get great effort because he was economical in his criticism. And he was economical in his coaching. Tony Baroni Sr. and Brian Baroni, the head coach at Butler County Community College, our guests today. Um, as I researched you, Tony, I saw that you, you played for Duke, and, and I looked at the your height and weight when you played for Duke, and you were listed five foot eight, 145 pounds. How does a guy make a, a Division I basketball team at that size? Duke lost a player. Uh, who decided not to go to Duke. He was a great player. His name was Larry Miller, who ended up going to Carolina. Uh, Bucky Waters, who was the assistant coach at Duke at the time, was a friend, uh, as was Vic Bubis, of the head of the Chicago Park District, a guy by the name of Ed Kelly, who I grew up in the Park District. And uh, he said to those guys, look, if you're looking for a guy now, a guard, a point guard, there's a guy that you should look at. Now, Larry Miller was 6'5", 235, and he was a great player. Um, I was 5'7", 145. <laughs> I was a fair player, okay? Yeah. But uh, when they came to scout me, because I played in a city all-star game in the summer, uh, I had a pretty good game and played pretty well. And I think it was more of, look, we, we got to have one more guy on our team, and I happened to be in the right place at the right time. And then when I went to Duke, I just embraced the culture there because I wanted to be a coach, and I was a royal pain in the ass because I was hanging around the coaches all the time, trying to get information from them. And eventually, uh, they kind of said, well, you know what? He's a pretty good player. He kind of knows the game, and they gave me a chance. And, and that's how that happened. Coach, what is your advice for you know coaches today uh, to get in the game of basketball? What do you suggest to be able to become a college coach? I think you have to have a work ethic. I think that's a bottom line for young guys today is you've got to be willing to have a work ethic in terms of spending time on the game. Uh, you know, I just got finished giving a clinic in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, you know the clinic attendance is down. Uh, they used to have, I used to speak uh, to three, 400 coaches. Now if they get 200 at a clinic, uh, you're kind of lucky. So I, w- I would say to the young coaches, learn your craft. Uh, go to clinics. Pay attention to uh, all levels of basketball, pro, college, high school, and learn the game. Become confident in yourself because you learn how to coach the game because you spent time researching it. And then I think you have to be honest 
with the players and honest with yourself. Uh, you you can't you can't be a BSer and get 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 a long way with it. I, I don't think eventually you're going to become a fraud and you're going to lose whatever job you do have. And then I think you have to be willing to you you can't be afraid to take a stance with your players. You know, you can't constantly bend the rules. If if you're a uh, believe in this, I don't care what your beliefs are, as long as you feel confident in them, then you have to make sure that your players are coordinating you, with you the beliefs that you have, and then you can't bend on that. Now, you have to. That's why I'm saying you have to learn your craft and not set unrealistic goals and un, unrealistic. Uh, demands on your players. Uh, coaching's hard harder today because you have all of the uh, ancillary things that uh, we didn't really deal with a lot. You know, the posses of uh, the players, uh, the administration, the the superintendent's kid who can't throw the ball in the ocean. The superintendent thinks he should start. The coach is put behind the eight ball. That's a problem. So I think that you just have to be believe in yourself, take a stance, and move forward. Tony Baroni, Sr., and Brian Baroni, our guests. We're going to wrap it up. We know you guys are busy getting things going there at Butler County. Uh, we got three questions for you. Our big trifecta will alternate. Here's Big Jim. Coach Tony, first question for you. If you're on an island and you have one movie to watch for the remainder of your life, what would it be? Uh, good fellows. I make you laugh? I'm not just... Get the f*** out of here, Tommy. <laughs> I almost had him. I almost had him. <laughs> Frankie, was he shaking? <laughs> I wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You may fold under questioning. <laughs> if you had to recommend one book to change someone's life, what would it be? You know, the, the one that always kind of stuck with me was uh, um, Sacred Hoops was a mm-hmm. good book. Yeah. Uh, by Phil Jackson. It was just simple. Uh, another one was The Energy Bus. You know, I read mm-hmm. a couple years ago. John Gordon. And, um, yeah, just an easy... Again, I, I'm into simplicity. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe I just like to read big words with pictures in the books or something like that. But uh, I thought The Energy Bus, again, that's a, it's a, it's a book that just kind of puts it out there for you. And, and you know, it, it makes you... You can dissect it all you want, and you know, be like you know, and be cynical, or you can just accept it for what it is and uh, move forward with positive energy. Coach, Coach Brian, I'm not in your office right now, but I can see you have a sign up there that says "Kiss, Keep It Simple, Stupid." <laughs> yeah, right, I, I can see that right now. <laughs> Last question, Coach Tony. Best piece of advice anyone ever gave you in your life? Ooh. Be honest with your players. 
That's simple. That's it. That's simple. <laughs> hey, I thought you were hey, going to keep going, hey, Coach no, that's Tony. Good. That's but I like good. it. No, that's good. I like good. it. Being honest. Yes. Yeah. Coach Brian, I wish you all the success on your you know opportunity at Butler County Community College and Tony Senior. Whatever you are doing with basketball, I know it's great things, and we appreciate you both taking the opportunity to be on the show today and um, give our listeners some great insights. Hey, listen, uh, you guys, that would appreciate. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, having us on, and uh, more importantly, I appreciate the uh, very intelligent questions that you ask. Usually, when you do some of this uh, stuff, you get some real nitwits on there. You guys are, you guys, no, seriously, you guys did a very nice job of probing and uh, getting good information out of us, hopefully. And I enjoyed doing the show. Thank you. Coach Tony, coming from you, that means a ton. That means a lot. Thank you very much, sincerely. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great day, guys. Take care. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. Just get the f*** out of here, Tony. I almost had him. I almost had him. (laughs) 